Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Fortens. Holy crap. I don't know who the hell we think we are. My wife. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots. The kids are playing the tail off and the coaches are screwing it up. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. They're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. Who's the kid here? Who's the kid here? Are you kidding me? Now here's your host, Nick Coffey. All right, let's do this. Good morning. Happy hump day. Welcome in. You are in the red zone. We are fueled by Thornton's right here on 790 KRD. My name's Nick Coffey. The marvelous Matt Allen alongside today. Matt, you want good news to start the day? Absolutely. I don't have the flu. That is good news. Still don't feel great, but... Should, should, you, should you say yet at the end of that sentence? That's very... Yeah, that's... Yeah, I wanted to start with good news, but you're right. I'm probably not in the clear just yet. I mean, I want it to be good news, so I want you to be on guard. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 take precautions so that you can continue to say, I don't have the flu. I, sl- I slept in the spare bedroom last night there just to be safe, on there the safe go. side. But, uh, yeah, the flu has hit the home, my daughter, my wife. But uh, me and Moose have been able to remain flu-free at this point, and we're going to try our best to uh, to keep it that way. I mean... My kids share drinks all the time without knowing it. We try our best not to let that happen if one of them's feeling sick. So I really worry about him. I mean, the flu for a two-year-old, I mean, a two-year-old's a little bit of work whenever they're just grumpy or need a nap. If they've got the flu, I mean, it's, you know, hopefully he just sleeps it off. But yeah, we're uh, we're on high alert at the coffee headquarters because we've got half the house sick trying to keep everybody else from uh, from getting sick. And I've always said this when it comes to the flu, Matt, because you said it to me many years ago, whenever I think early on in our uh, our time working together, they're like the flu is something to where like, you know, if you have it, because it's not just, oh, I'm feeling like I got a little bit of a cold. Mm-hmm. I got some sinus stuff going on. And uh, the it way is, yeah, the way yeah. my wife's milking it, Matt, I mean, she's clearly got the flu. She went and got tested. Right. Um, I mean, she might as well just put the flu test results on her forehead. You because- required the paperwork, didn't you? Oh, I didn't even need to ask for yeah. it. She just wanted to show me. I mean, I, not not really, but I mean, it's like, you know how many times I've, and I can vent now because, you know, she's at home sleeping, hopefully getting well. But you know how many times yesterday I wanted to be like, honey, I, I get it. I know you're sick. You don't have to, you know, fling dishes around in the sink like and just mope. Like, I get it. Is she even standing up? If she's oh, she wasn't standing much yesterday, but when yeah. she was, it was just, you know, yeah. very lethargic. And I'm yeah. like, what do you want me to do? I don't want to get near you. I don't want to get sick. If we're both sick, who's going to take care of the kids? Like. Yeah. I feel like at times she wanted more sympathy from me, but I don't really know what to do. I would say one of the more curious statements that I've heard, and that's why I always, thats I mean, that's what led me to say what I said to you whenever I said, I just, it was always curious to me when people would say, I don't know, I might have the flu. Yeah. And I'm like, then you don't. I'm with you. 
I'm with you. Then if you're saying, I don't know, I might have the flu, then you don't have the flu. I mean, I think it, the the people I know that have had the flu in the last few weeks, because there's been many, uh, it's hit a lot of folks because that time of the year and people just get sick. You have a lot of family gatherings with even Halloween to Thanksgiving and, of course, Christmas. But I, I'm pretty lucky that I've yet to have COVID. I think you're the same way, right, Matt? I have, yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. So I know people that have had COVID and the flu that say the flu lately has been worse because I think there's different levels of symptoms. Yeah. Of, of, well, of, I mean, I wouldn't want either one of them. Sure, yeah. But Get them the hell away from me. times I did have the flu, it was awful. Yeah. And I just thought, I mean, I knew that I was in – I, I knew I was sick. Yeah, I think as soon as I got it with COVID, there's different. It there's just hits people differently. But with the flu, I don't think there's much debate. It's going to knock you on your ass. That's yeah. just kind of how it works. It did me twice. Yeah. So I know a lot of you guys yesterday really worried, Matt especially. I know I called him all yeah. day long. But rest assured, I do not have the flu. Um, so you guys can can relax. Uh, but I may need uh, Matt to go see a um, a therapist and or psychologist. All right. That's what I was told yesterday. Because? So I was out at... Uh, did a UK fan tell you this? No, no. Oh, okay. So it started yesterday with the text line, and then even like people who listen to the show only on podcast, their only way of... I guess they could text as well, but it'd be later. But like direct message. I got a couple direct messages yesterday on Twitter, uh, and it's... Like I'll just read one for you. And I usually don't... I usually don't put much into this because I'm pretty content with things I say and how I feel, I don't, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think. And if you disagree, believe it or not, that's okay. Uh, that's, that's part of this. But it, then it turned into, in the same day, I got kind of bombarded on the text line. But then again, there's also people who on the text line agree with me and actually find it refreshing that I'm willing to at least say what I think and know that it may not be necessarily super popular among Louisville fans because right now there's not been a whole lot to cheer about when it comes to basketball. Uh, but when it turned into text line, Twitter, and then somebody that I ran into, you know, that I know a little bit, I don't know them personally. We don't hang out, but like I know of them, we are what I would say acquaintances. Um, but that it, it, it all hit me yesterday that, that that maybe I am being a little too negative. But here's one of the twi- here's one of the direct messages from uh, from Twitter, Matt. I give a rat's ass about Twitter. Why you hate on the cards all the time? You sure you're not a UK fan? This a Louisville Cardinals podcast. Talk about the good. How would you respond to that? This person on Twitter says they stream for fun on Twitch and they're a dad of four. Okay, that's their bio. Oh, I didn't. I thought that was part of the message. Um, I would, I guess, just tell them, man, those Western Kentucky game and Florida A and M game sure were fun. Florida A&M game was actually one of the worst. They, if they played anybody else, they'd have lost. But yes, again, but, well, but, they're, they're but right there, Nick. But you see I what mean, I just did? Florida A&M, yeah, piece of garbage. But, that, but, but, but that's the truth. You see, I did exactly what I like, and I, I guess what I need to be a little more aware of is how that sounds, because it's like no matter what, I'm gonna find a way to dump on it, right? It's like no matter you know, no matter what happens, I'm gonna be glass half empty kind of guy, well, and I don't, and I don't want to be that. Have you ever had a bad meal? Of course. All right. Not by my wife. Of course not. No. But if you've ever had a bad meal, you talk about how bad all the food was. It, but maybe some, all of it wasn't bad, but you don't spend time talking about, oh, well, the mashed potatoes were good. That never comes up when you're telling the story. 
because it doesn't help the story. And True. the story of this season is it's been crap. <laughs> it has. Okay? This season has been crap. And I'm sorry, you can bring, yeah, okay, so uh, no offense, but when you're talking about the totality of the season, it ain't a good story. And if you think that it is, then you're wanting us to talk about the mashed potatoes when the rest of the meal is terrible. I mean, I couldn't agree more, but without even really, like, I didn't plan on doing what I just did, but I also kind of proved to myself that I am going to, you know, even if there is something that, like, again, if you win a game, technically that's a good day for the most part, but I still found a way to, you know, take a dump on it. I just hope we can win a game. You have a big dump in your pants. (laughs) Like that remix. So, I think... Is and I'm not a, and the person I saw yesterday at the priceless grocery store in Bullitt County, you know they were they were saying it in fun. It's like, man, I love the show. Been listening. It's been tough on basketball season, man. I was like, yeah, I know. It's it's uh, it's been rough, man. I I never expect him to be this bad. Kind of just saying all the the usual stuff, you know. I it's rough. It's tough. I don't know about you know. Kenny Payne looks like he's in over his head. Just saying the you know the usual that you would hear from me, and also I think the usual that you would hear from a lot of fans given the circumstances. And this person I was talking to said, you know, well, it's like even if there is a glimmer of of good and or positivity, it, it seems as if you 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 refuse to accept it. And I'm just kind of thinking, well, who the hell are you to say that? Like I, I was a little bit surprised, but they you know it's just honest opinion. Again, we can all have, but. I but think it that's the that's they they made your point. They made your point. It because that's all there's been this season. Glimmers. Yeah. Do you know how long glimmers last? Moments. Nothing glimmers the whole time. Yeah, they could go on like a five okay. or they could go on like a six seven oh run in a game and show something and then be down thirty in in five minutes. Right. I mean you you again, when you're talking about the totality of of this season, it's not going to be a fun story. It's not going to be a fun topic. If you want to talk about the glimmers, then you can then then you're going to have to talk about stuff that's so specific that if someone dropped by, they'd be like, "Why are why are they talking about Louisville's free throw percentage?" Yeah, because uh, that's mean, the that, only that's good. all they're talking yeah. about. They, they 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 spent seven minutes. They did a seven minute segment on Louisville's free throw percentage. Well, that's really all offensively they've got going. Look at the stats. Look, I'm not afraid to acknowledge something good, something encouraging, something, dare I say, positive. But I think if I could diagnose myself as a therapist slash, you know, psychiatrist, I'm a big picture guy. I, I think that's been proven when we, ana- we, we analyze really everything, like for football. Even when Louisville beat Virginia like they did earlier this year, uh, and I think before the Pittsburgh game, like I was willing to say that's that's progress, but I, I can't fake it as if that ever really changed deep down what I felt about Scott Satterfield, and that was that he was never going to be the guy that had a high ceiling here. We were always going to be stuck in in a mediocre level, and that's why. You know, I took a beating this year at times because they would make progress and I would say, hey, tip of the cap. But it didn't really change overall. Like, I'm not I'm not going to go on a game-by-game basis. Do I think this can be – my thoughts on Satterfield really never changed in the last three years of him being here. Really yeah. two years more than anything. I, football is a different animal, though, because football, you kind of had a 
rainy forecast when it was just kind of cloudy. Okay? Yeah. Uh, this is not cloudy. <laughs> 2 and 11 is not cloudy. Losing by 20, 25, 27, 22, 32, that's not cloudy. That's a monsoon. Yeah. And so that's a different story. You chose to be kind of fed up with mediocrity in football. This is not even approaching mediocrity. Oh, not at all. Okay. That's a so it's the, the, football and basketball, that's a I mean to me that you know, I mean I'm not saying I'm just saying if someone were to say you did this, this you did the same thing with football. No you didn't. This is different than football. This this is apples and oranges. And you know, if you're at the hospital and the doctor comes out and says, well, you know, um, his knees are in really good shape. And I really like the way his kidneys have really lasted over the course of his lifetime. Yeah. Okay. Well, how's he doing? Oh, he's dead. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know. I mean, I wanted to focus on the positive. And it, were he still to be alive, man, those kidneys would go at least 20, 30 more years. Uh, and really nice tendons in the knee. But, I mean, I just was trying to come out here and tell you about the positive. But the big picture is he's dead. I mean, that's what that's what the story is this year. is not It's not a good story. So you have to – most of the things you're going to say, unfortunately, aren't going to be very sunny. And maybe it's the way I say it at times that can seem heavy-handed or over the top. And I guess I do understand that. And that's what the person I ran into yesterday brought up. But – I, it wasn't as if I was planning to attack, and 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 I don't mean to make fun, but I knew this would happen. Where you you were so bad, and then you start to not be as bad, but you're still a bad team, and we have to acknowledge that it, it's not as bad as it once was, but it's still pretty bad. That's just a weird place to be, and that happened yesterday. Whenever we were reacting to their recent game against NC State. You know, they didn't embarrass themselves, but they still lost by 12 points and it never felt like they were going to win in the last 15 minutes of the game. And you're still sitting with a 2-11 and record. So, I mean, it's just going to be uncomfortable for me to be like, well, you know what? They didn't embarrass themselves. Yeah. They didn't lose by 20. I mean, like, that. that's just so... So, I, I don't know what to do. I, uh, I don't mean to poke fun at these guys by any means and... and Maybe that doesn't come off like I want it to at times, but I just I couldn't talk Louisville basketball in the slightest without acknowledging sort of where they are. And I and I just I, do you want me to say okay if they lose to Kentucky by fifteen, we consider that a win? I mean, I guess technically that would be probably beating the spread, certainly beating what Kim Palm predicts is going to happen. And would be a surprise to me. I would say that means they played better than I anticipated if they keep it within 15 and Rupp. But even if that's the case, I can't lie to you and say that means like I'm happier. It really doesn't change sort of how I feel about the team overall. They're not very good. They are, in fact, the worst team in the country among Power Six teams from the conferences that you've heard of. And they have losses. I mean, they're 0-2 against Atlantic Sun opponents this year. So not to beat a dead horse and tell you something you already know, but I don't know what other way to assess the situation than acknowledging what is right in front of our eyes and what is very obvious. I get it. 
it's there's nothing wrong with trying to be positive, and this is weathering behavior. We're in the middle of something that hasn't happened in ever basically Here. 80 years. They were two and fourteen in nineteen forty one. Well, you this, know they got head injuries that year. Okay, well that this is going to be the worst season in eighty years. Okay, so sorry I, for that nineteen forty team. I mean, this is going to be the worst season in eighty years, be, uh, and so we're in the middle of something that really, really stinks. There's nothing wrong with having a positive attitude, and or, or you know, try and find positives in something that you're weathering the storm. You're trying to get through this. However, if again, take yourself out of the situation objectively. There again, it's fine to weather, but go back to the summer, go back to the spring. And if you could put yourself there and be told they're going to be 2 and 11, do you think you'd be happy with that? Do you think you might be a little upset with that? No one would they would have said that's unacceptable. We we turned the corner. We're going to be out of this under un, un, the We have a brand new coach. He's one of ours. We're going to 2 and 11 is not going to cut it. It'll be better than that. Well, it's not. So it's fine to weather but this is where you're at, <laughs> and it ain't great. Yep, not great. Not great at all. And I swear to you, I'm not the most miserable human on the planet. If, in fact, there was something to point to that this wasn't going to be a lingering nightmare, my reaction would still be rather obvious as to what's happening in the now but it would sort of change about – it would change how I viewed the overall Kenny Payne era that is still relatively young, 13 games in. It's just that in the 2023 class, there's nobody on the way that you can say right now that is going to instantly impact you. And I said this yesterday, and I think it got some people thinking because who's thinking about next year, right? It's late December, and there's not really – I mean – who knows what the roster is going to look like? Because, again, you only have two guys signed in 2023. You're going to lose players from this team, and you're just going to have to wait and see if you have any luck in the portal this time around. But as much as we criticize some of these guys on this team and everybody tells me how bad they are, you think you're going to go get a guard in the portal that's better than LLs? I mean, LLs, despite his struggles at times, and he loves to throw the ball to the other team and throw passes into the stands occasionally. He's a little erratic, but he's a he's a talented guy. Not a, not a true point guard, clearly, and and that's that's shown this year. And he's been asked to do a whole lot of that. But like, if there was something I could point to next season or even the season after, which I don't really know how you do that in basketball because so much changes in just a two year time. It would, it, it would, you know, I'm gonna, I can't lie to you and say that I'd be like, everybody calm down. Kenny Payne's got this because I'd still have to acknowledge the, the, the concerns I'm seeing with how this team is coached. But overall, I mean, it, if they landed a DJ Wagner or an AJ Johnson or somebody of that caliber, I mean, there was a lot of guys in the 2023 class that they were in on and they didn't get any of them. So even if you are banking on a true freshman class, coming in and sort of instantly improving your roster even at this point and especially this year I don't know if you guys have noticed but fresh the freshman production in college basketball is near an all-time low this year uh which is just kind of wild to see I don't know if that's just a random thing or what but even if we knew this class was going to be a lot of freshmen that played a lot of minutes and they struggled 
it would still be a sign that there's a foundation and these guys are going to get better and that if Kenny keeps bringing in talent of that caliber, that's how you get this thing turned around, but he hadn't done that yet. So it's just, I mean... Well, I think this is a positive. Look, there were enough people that thought that he should get this job. They can't all be wrong. Okay? They can't all just be lying. So it's not outside. It's definitely, of course it's possible that he'll turn it around. Absolutely. Here's the thing I think that Louisville fans and maybe the... The university have to realize, and and what you're saying, I think, is exactly this as well. What, what you're talking about next year's recruiting class and all that, and the signs of what it's going to be like. I don't. Th- I absolutely think there's enough people that thought he could get the job that he can turn it around. I think what we have to realize though is, if he does turn it around, it's not going to be fast. Now, it won't be Maryland. Yeah. You know, we talked about I, I, that's the one that sticks in my head. I think we've talked about like you know this guy came in here and they've already turned it around. Well, and, look at Arizona. And, and Arizona, he came in there and they've they've turned it around. So I'm not saying Kenny Pan can't 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 turn it around here. I think absolutely he probably can. I don't think it'll be fast. And and that is and that is what people I think have to maybe think about. Am I okay with this being a slow turnaround? And but don't you think even if it's slow, even if it's slow, there has to be. Some signs of, but it depends on how slow it is. If you're talking four years, thirteen games into a four into four years is not that much. You haven't seen much yet. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I mean, you haven't seen. That's not even an eighth of the the product. You're not halfway through the season yet. So you haven't. If you're if you're thinking long term, we're sticking with you know with this plan. We're gonna you know we're gonna turn this thing around, and we've got several years, and I'm okay with that. Then you you've got time, but if you want it to turn around fast, I think the hopes of that are over. Yeah, and I I don't know these other schools' individual situations as far as you know what they lost and what they were dealing with. But just to give you an example, Kentucky tonight they play Missouri, um, and I don't think Missouri has any signature wins, but they've got. A first-year head coach who took over, and I'm pretty sure he took over a bad situation, meaning they weren't very good. That's why they got rid of their coach. 12, 12 and 21, now they're 11 and 1. And their only loss is to Kansas. Yeah. So that's a guy in his first year. Now, he's not a first-time head coach, so maybe that's the big difference. But I, I've, 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 I've watched, not just watched these, you know, not just watched the scores, but as somebody who watches a lot of college basketball, and I don't say that to brag because it's kind of pathetic. I watch a lot of games. I bet on a lot of games. I don't win a lot. Um, but I've, I've watched many teams this year that are under a first-year head coach. Some of them are under a first-year head coach, meaning like he's never been a head coach before. But others are just in their first year on a job, inheriting a pretty tough situation. And they're good. Like not not maybe elite, not a team that you lock in and pencil in for the Sweet 16, but like I watch them play, they play hard, they've got an identity, there's a formula to get good looks, all that stuff, and I just haven't seen that from Louisville, and that's why I just don't have a lot of patience for people to tell me that that's stuff that's going to take time. I don't think that's stuff that takes a ton of time, and I'm so over, so overhearing about they've got to heal and repair these broken players when, again, who's broken? 
Sidney Curry and L. Ellis are not broken. Sidney is, but he wasn't broken when you got here. That's what I don't understand. L. was coming off of a season where he had momentum. He was essentially being handed the keys to the team. J.J. Trainer's actually gotten better, so I don't know if he's broken right now. Mike James, one of your full-time starters, didn't play last year. Kamari Lands didn't play last year. Brandon Hunley Hatfield, another full-time starter, was not here last year. Jalen Withers, maybe he's broken. But, like, I just don't buy that as an excuse as to for this team being this bad is that he inherited this band of misfits that he just can't coach. I mean, I... I well, and shouldn't... Wasn't... We talked about one of his strengths was recruiting. Wasn't another one of his strengths because of recruiting relationships? Relationships, player development. Player, yeah. player relationships. So... The, what we just talked about in terms of the overall program, if anything should be fast in a turnaround, it, with you would think with, with the makeup of what we've heard, it would be the recruiting would be fast. The players bonding with the new coach would be fast because of how, you know, what, because of those strengths. So that, that, that shouldn't be a problem, right? Or, I mean, I'm with you. I here, Here's what I thought this year was going to be. You probably struggle to make the tournament, and you do not have a lot of talent, meaning you don't have a ton of talent in regards to where if you line up against another team, they just they don't have anybody that can account for this guy or that guy. That's not how this team is built. But they do have serviceable players, in my opinion. They're definitely They definitely have size. And I thought they would take their lumps, but they'd also come out established this culture we heard about. They were going to play fast. They were going to play hard. They were going to get after you. They were going to be physical. And they may just lose some games because their ceiling's not very high. But they would at least be respectable. That's what I thought realistic was going to happen. And, you know, it hasn't. Maybe part of that is me just not realizing the issues they'd have. But I also think a part of it is that it's just hard to look at this team and not only their record, but also look at what you're seeing on the floor. And, yes, players are accountable as well. But I just... Imagine watching this team for 13 games and telling me that they're not poorly coached. I just don't, that's, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, not to say that that means Kenny's got to go right now. Trust me, I know that's not happening. But, anyways, we'll move on. We got to get to a break. I don't mean to be a sad sack of crap, but that's just, this is, I've said it before, and it's been true before, but it's very true now that this is just unfamiliar territory in regards to talking about a team. I mean, it's that bad. I feel better when I hear them say everything will be wonderful someday. Promises mean everything when you're little and the world's so big. I just don't understand how you can smile with all those tears in your eyes. Tell me everything is wonderful now. Red Zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thornton's. Who is this, Matt? I know the song. Everclear. It's okay. I knew it was a group I at least was somewhat familiar with. Is this early 2000s, late 90s? Do you know? I'm just curious because this is a little, this is one of those songs that I have not heard. 2000. Okay. Yeah. I have not heard this in I don't know how many years, but I could still recite it probably word for word. And yes, there are people that I think want 
someone to tell them that everything is wonderful, even if it's not. And there's no shame in that. Who wants to be miserable? Absolutely. No, nobody, nobody wants does. to be miserable. But, I just, you know, I, I guess I need to do a better job of balancing things. And for those asking, I was not doing a vibe check in Priceless. I was just there to get... Uh, should have been some more cold and flu medicine for my wife Should've and been. some milk for the baby. So, can uh, you just take the mic around with you at all places now? That well, should be the thing. Well, I think I told you yesterday. You did of a new vibe check location that's mm-hmm. coming soon. Yeah, we're getting it worked out for those uh, that care and may be interested. Um, a Louisville hockey game. We're going to do a vibe check at a Louisville hockey game, which could be a lot of fun. No clue what to expect as far as a crowd and a turnout because. Never been to a hockey game at uh, UFL, but I'm excited for it. I've requested uh, from the team a jersey, just to wear. They don't have to give me one. And then a, a helmet, a hockey helmet. Not the one with the shield, but you know the one you just wear on your head? Yeah. Something like that. Are you going to be... Because uh, I can't do the vibe check without being in hockey gear. Are you going to be number 73? I don't know. I'm not sure what number they have available. I'll take whatever. I'm not going to be too picky. I think they be- they should give you 73. <laughs> that would be... That would be um, I mean, I guess that's my that's my number now, right? right pretty much. You were well, you you want a championship in that number? What an awful number! Can you think of a worse? I mean, is there any is there any NBA players that have ever wore number seventy three? Let's find out. I'm going to look it up too, because that's I, whenever I went to the Chris Mack fantasy basketball camp. Oh, Dennis Rodman wore it seventy three. Yeah, with the Lakers, had no clue. Hmm. He's the only player to wear number seventy three in Lakers history, as far as. Other players, I'm not sure. But um, I wore number two, and I I said medium on the size of the jersey and all that stuff they gave me at the camp. According to this, he's the only player to ever wear 73 in second, NBA history. Second player. Second player. Because me. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It's a good company. Yeah. I love the worm. Dennis Rodman, Nick Coffey. Yeah. So I put on number two, and I was... It wasn't going to work. Like, it was skin tight, could barely breathe. It was not good. So I said, any chance you got anything else? And they pulled out old 73, threw it my way, you know, out there playing the role of a fat point guard, but I was wearing the number of an offensive lineman. That's got to be the most fitting number for that, right? Offensive line. I feel like that's... If I I see 73, I'm thinking offensive line. That's because, you know, or, or like a... Um, or like a, um, a, a, a a reliever uh, who just got called up to the, the <laughs> baseball. Major. Yeah, like <laughs> a guy who's just coming up for a quick cup of coffee to pitch like some middle relief. Uh, seventy three would be a good number for that guy. But like, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess seventy three would be more probably would be more common in hockey because they they wear higher numbers in hockey sometimes. It's true. So maybe I could get 73 for the hockey jersey. Yeah, why not? And look, if you have an idea, like you think, if you've seen the Vibe Check videos before that I've put out on all my social media, and you think you know of a place that would be good for that for that show, if you want to call it that, that type of content, let me know. I'm all ears because basketball is going to be a thing we do all season. And I do plan on maybe taking a road trip to a road game or two. But... At some point, you know, you got to mix it up. I don't want it to become only, I mean, I don't want it to, to stay only a basketball thing. So let me know and we'll try to, uh, try to make it work. And I'm going to put together, um, there's been a big gap here with home games for Louisville. So what I'm going to do probably by the end of the week around the new year is there's going to be a best of of all of them together with just highlights from each one. So, um, 
Oh, you, there's there's at least a couple of dozen guys who've worn uh, 73 in the 38 players have worn 73 in the NHL. Who's most notable? Anybody I've heard of? Anybody you've heard yeah. of? I I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't name five NHL players right now. Yeah. What about Yarmir Yager? I feel like he was 77, or was he 66? No, he was 66. I have no clue. Is he still playing? I don't. I, I doubt it. Mario Lemieux. No, uh, Mario Lemieux was 77. I'm, I'm almost certain. Oh, Yarmir Yager was 68. Sorry. Wayne Gretzky. Come on. You don't know what number Wayne Gretzky wore? 99. Okay, thank you. Is that right? Yes. Okay. What about uh, Charlie Conway? I don't know who that is. <laughs> you don't know who Charlie Conway is? No, I'm, I don't know who that is. Is, he, is it Adam Sandler in about, a hockey movie? How about Goldberg? I'm guessing also uh, Adam Adam Banks. Julie the Cat Gaffney. I don't know who these people are. Kenny Wu. Woo, 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 Kenny Woo. Mighty Ducks. Okay. <laughs> I could name a lot of their numbers. Well, good. Dean Portman, one of the Bash brothers. What, uh, what, uh, what, number, what number did Pacey wear from Dawson's Creek? Uh, 16. 16, okay. I'm just guessing. Do you know? No, I don't know. He was the main character, wasn't he? Joshua oh, yeah. Jackson? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. It's Charlie Conway. That was Charlie Conway, okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the name of Goldberg. I don't know if he went, I think he just went by Goldberg. Love that movie. I, I remember really liking that movie too. I haven't probably seen it it's since a rare, the 90s, but I remember yeah, really liking that movie. They did three of them and they were all good, but it's, I'm sure you could tell me, Matt, some movies that come to mind or, you know, where they made two of them and the second was better. Cause I think Mighty Ducks D2 was, was, the best of the three, although all were good. Hmm. I feel like it's rare, but I'm sure there's other movies where others, you know, people would say like, was Die Hard two good? It wasn't as good as I, I don't think it, would, it was good as one, but it was good. Yeah. Yes, I don't. I don't think there was a bad Die Hard until probably the fifth one. Fourth one was all right. You know what? This basketball this is a good text on the text line. Mm-hmm. Well, basketball needs a coach like Gordon Bombay. There you go. Emilio Estevez. You want to bring Emilio in to coach uh, Lowell? Yeah, I don't. I mean, he had a drinking problem. I don't think you want to. Mm. You want to. Uh, but look, we're willing to to look past some problems. Maybe. All right, you are in the red zone. We're fueled by Thornton's here on seven ninety KRD. Nick Coffee, the marvelous Matt Allen, with you guys until ten o'clock. And if you want free breakfast, you can get it by signing up to become a member of the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards Program. Go to refreshingrewards.com, Download the app today, and you'll be happy that you did. Not only because of free breakfast and a free drink, but all the perks that come with it. You're going to save money every time you get gas. When you go in there each morning, you're going to be greeted with a smiling face from the Thornton's team members. I mean, you work at Thornton's. You're going to love your job. You're going to love the people. Maybe that's the next vibe check, a Thornton's vibe check. A lot of characters in and out of a Thornton's. We could have some fun with that. All right, quickly before we uh, before we take a timeout and wrap up the 7 o'clock hour if you are just now joining us, I'm willing to acknowledge that maybe I am. In fact, no, I know I am at times more so a glass half empty than a glass half full guy. But I did just sort of, I don't know, maybe you'd call that clearing the air as to, I just can't fake it. Like if Louisville ends up winning five or six games this year, 
that will be more games than I anticipate them winning as of right now. But I'm not going to get to a 5-6 win season and and say that it's anything other than what it is, which is an obvious awful year in a really bad team that should have never been this bad. So um, I don't need to beat a dead horse, but for those who want me to be more positive, I, I – I don't know where you could – if you could find some positives, let me know when it comes to basketball. All right, so Ray asked if I saw Jeff Goodman's comment about what gift he would give Kenny Payne for Christmas this year. I did find it on Twitter at the Field of 68. Jeff Goodman, friend of the show, has been on with us many times. He's uh, been very critical of Kenny Payne for not getting anybody in the portal, and uh, this is what he had to say. A login to the transfer portal because I don't think they had it last year. I think they had the wrong login. I think they had the wrong password or something that Kenny Payne could not get the hell into the transfer portal because he didn't bring in anybody. So I'm going to give Kenny Payne the right password this year for the portal so he can get some dudes, right? Because right now they got nothing, especially in the backcourt. They got nothing. So he got locked out of the portal. So I'm going to give him the right password. So – that's a pretty – I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you. I think that that's, you know, knee-slapping humor. But that is the obvious observation from a lot of folks on the outside, which is how did he not get anybody in the backcourt? And look, we'll never know the answer to that question, although he did answer it. Um, he did answer it at some point. I think it might have been – it might have been Brett Dawson who asked the question, and he did provide somewhat of an answer. And it was acknowledging that they missed out on guys, which I found to be refreshing because that was rather obvious. However, there are some people that still to this day want to believe that Louisville hasn't missed out on anybody, that Kenny's just being selective, which if that's the case, then he's not doing his job. But either way, um, that is that is the only scenario where you have a team that is competitive next year is if you go out and you clean up in the portal. And I don't mean go out and get – a few guys from mid-majors. you got to go get really good players because I can tell you this. You can go get a kid who's averaging 15, 16 a night at a place like App State. But that's, in my opinion, as far as talent, that's not better than L. Ellis. Maybe that's not better than a sophomore Kamari Lands, and hopefully he doesn't look to transfer. I mean, all, there's it's going to be a humongous unknown as far as the roster next year because the guys you're going to lose to graduation and again guys that are going to hit the portal because year one of Kenny Payne likely ended with a handful of wins and they don't want to be stuck in that situation You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD, fueled by Thorntons. Maybe this is a little bit of recency biased on my end, but I do feel like the Southwest Airlines nightmare that left thousands of people stranded at airports across the country as was it 80% of their 80% of their flights were canceled in a matter of like 2 days just an unbelievable mess i feel like it's one of the bigger stories of the year just because of how many people it has impacted and how big of a mess that it actually is um and no surprise the department of transportation's getting involved and uh, there's a lot of folks claiming that if they are not meaning southwest is not offering to pay for your hotel accommodations and all that like then they're in the wrong and they're going to be dealt with. I don't know what kind of trouble they could get in, but you know, if they leave you stranded because you've paid for a service and they're not refunding you, 
then they should be, you know, responsible for it. But I don't, you know, I don't, I think all these airlines, they have to be compliant within some kind of regulation, but they all have different policies and you just know that going in. But uh, I thought Southwest had kind of turned the corner. I feel like many years ago, Southwest was viewed as the cheap airline that just was low budget and the planes for the pores. <laughs> and now, uh, in recent years, they've become not so cheap compared to the other airlines out there like Spirit, Allegiant. Uh, what are some other ones? Frontier. But yeah, they had a, uh, a nightmare on their hands. And here is the... Uh, here is the Southwest Airlines CEO, Bob Jordan. Here's a little bit of his statement uh, from the debacle. I want everyone who is dealing with the problems we've been facing, whether you haven't been able to get to where you need to go or you're one of our heroic employees caught up in a massive effort to stabilize the airline, uh, to know is that we're doing everything we can to return to a normal operation. And please also hear that I'm truly sorry. Here's why this giant puzzle is taking us several days to solve. Southwest is the largest carrier in the country, not only because of our value and our values, but because we build our flight schedule around communities, not hubs. So we're the largest airline in 23 of the top 25 travel markets in the U.S. Cities where large numbers of scheduled flights simultaneously froze as record bitter cold brought challenges for all airlines. You know, our network is highly complex. And the operation of the airline counts on all the pieces, especially aircraft and crews, remaining in motion to where they're planned to go. So it sounds as if they have a huge cluster of issues where they were short on staff, but the shortage of staff did not lead to them having to cancel 80% of their flights. It sounds like they've got some kind of a old software that essentially just fried so like they are having a tough time even operating <laughs> And I don't know how you fix that. I'm sure it's not an easy fix. But, uh, yeah, what a mess for Southwest Airlines. I'm curious to see like where this goes, meaning like do they have – I mean are they going to be required by law to, to give everybody refunds? I've never gone through the process of getting a flight refunded. It just like there's no – I'm sure you could find something that is maybe a little bit comparable. But is there an industry other than the airline industry – that can just take your money, charge whatever they want, treat you the way they treat you, and you just have that helpless feeling. And you could just not fly, I guess. But like once you're there and you've already made arrangements, like it's not easy to say, hey, I'm going to take my money elsewhere. So what a mess. All right, we got two more hours to go, a lot more to get into. Stick with us. Good vibes, positive vibes the rest of the way. You guys are worried about Louisville basketball at 2 and 11? Not me. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffey on 790 KRD, fueled by Thorntons. That's right, you are in the red zone here on 790 KRD. We are fueled by Thorntons. Stop in this morning, get your day started at Thornton's, and if you have not signed up yet to be a member of their Refreshing Rewards program, you get a free breakfast sandwich or breakfast burrito or, I'm sorry, not or, and, and a drink, coffee, soft drink with that famous nugget ice. So stop in this morning. We are proud partners with our friends over there at Thornton's. More than 50 locations in the Kentuckian area now. So if you are in Kentuckiana, there's likely one that is very close to you. All right, so just a reminder, after the game on Saturday, Louisville-Kentucky, the annual rivalry matchup. It's going to be at noon, and as soon as that one ends, we're going to go live 
on 790KRD. And here's to hoping that uh, it's competitive. In fact, that's the question that, 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 that comes in that's, that's fair. And if you are just now joining us, and the slight delay there is because I'm just trying to, trying to figure out how I can lay this out there without sounding so negative and without being such a glass half full person. It's just my nature, but I do get it. Nobody wants to be miserable. The team is two and eleven. Hard to ignore that. But if we can, like the question that comes in on the text line five zero two six five three zero seven ninety is that if Louisville keeps it within single digits of Kentucky, would that be enough progress to where you could now look forward to the rest of the ACC and picture them getting more wins than anticipated? I would. I think it would depend on how it looks. To be honest with you. If it's a competitive game and they end up losing by like eight or nine down the stretch, that would in fact be progress. That would be them surpassing what the low expectations have become this season. But we'd still have to acknowledge they'd move to two and 12. And you'd have to wonder, are we going to get the team that maybe, because maybe the Western Kentucky type performance is recreated against Kentucky and you lose by eight or nine. That would be another reminder that they can, in fact, do that. But then the question would be, how do they recreate it consistently? Because that game was, without question, the outlier. Because they followed it up with a game that was another win, but I think if they played anybody else in the country, they would have lost to Florida A&M. I believe that. And (laughs) I was getting ready to do it, Matt. I was getting ready to do it. Be negative? Yes. But I'm not going to. I'll tell you what I was going to say, but just consider it not even something I believe. If they do come out and look good against Kentucky and are competitive and look similar to how they looked against Western, I'm probably going to be more pleased than I would be if they lost by 40. But I'll also wonder, okay, you've told on yourself now twice. How do you do it? You'd have a big dump in your pants. That that would have been me if I was going to take a big dump on any optimism that people have. But I'm not going to do it. Consider that wiped from your brain. And look, they could keep it within 10, maybe. I'm really interested to see what Kentucky does tonight because Kentucky plays Missouri. They are slight favorites in this game. Missouri is one of the teams in college basketball this year with a new head coach. And their new head coach is off to a good start. Right now, Missouri has only one loss on the season. And that came against Kansas, who's a top five team. Now, their wins, not exactly that impressive. I don't know if you have Ken Palm pulled up, Matt, but I don't think... They've got a win, really. Who, Missouri? We're speaking of. Do they? Oh, I'm sorry. They beat Illinois. That's a good win for them. That's the, that's their latest game. Before yeah. that, it was not a great looking schedule. No. Yeah. So look, Kentucky. This matchup between Louisville and Kentucky. Let's be real. There's no Louisville fans out there, at least that I know of, that are, you know, optimistic that they're going to actually win the game. But if in fact Louisville was just mediocre instead of being, you know, as bad as they are. I think this is a Kentucky team that you could analyze at this point and say, okay, you know, they're going to be favored. They're at home. Tough to win at Rupp. Louisville's not great. We know that. And again, I know they're really bad, but just imagine if they were decent instead of really bad. I think you could find Louisville fans looking at Kentucky and trying to determine, okay, they're not that great, are they? Because I think Kentucky right now, they look very regular this year. I think even their fans would agree with that. Now, you could be, they could be regular and beat Louisville by 20, given what we've seen from both teams this year. But this Kentucky team that returns the National Player of the Year, 
brought in a loaded class once again, did a good job in the portal, has yet to really look anything like what I think their fans expected them to look like. Now, they did have stretches, of course, against really bad teams. And trust me, by mentioning this, it's not like I'm picking on Kentucky because I realize what that would sound like (laughs) if, uh, you know, considering Louisville's situation. But Kentucky right now, you know, they're number 10 in the Ken Palm and their average win, like if you take all of the eight teams they've beat, I would be willing to bet that the average is in like the mid 200s. So their losses aren't against bad teams. Lost to Gonzaga in Washington. Not a true road game, but still road atmosphere. Lost to UCLA, who's number four in the Ken Palm. And they lost to Michigan State, which right now that doesn't look like a very good loss. And they kind of fumbled it down the stretch. Michigan State's eight and four. And they're 44th in the Ken Palm. So I think Kentucky, tonight's a good test for them because... Missouri, I think it's safe to say if they can beat, they can blow Illinois off the floor like they did and their only losses against Kansas. This is a good test for Kentucky. God, it's crazy. I mean, looking at Louisville on somebody's schedule, Matt, and seeing that Ken Palm number next to their name, it makes it almost, I almost fell out of my seat. 256. Good God. Cause, Thought you were going to be positive. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I just, you know, it's... You have a big dump in your pants. I know. But yeah, Missouri is... uh, Missouri-Kentucky tonight, the projected score from Ken Palm is 79-76 in favor of Kentucky. If you look at the the FanDuel Sportsbook line, Kentucky favored by three and a half. So, look, Kentucky's clearly not worried about Louisville. But... Tonight is sort of a not, a, not a make or break game for Kentucky, but if you lose to Missouri on the road, that's a quad one loss because they are a top 50 team right now in the Ken Palm. I guess we'd have to look at the net to confirm that, but whatever. Um, if you lose to Missouri, I think you may have to sort of, I mean, dare I say sort of adjust expectations because if you lose to Kentucky, I'm sorry, if you lose to Missouri and you're Kentucky, you still have to play other good teams in your league. I mean, you have to play LSU at home. You should win that one. They're not that good. Uh, Alabama on the road. Alabama's beat has two wins against number one ranked teams. Uh, South Carolina, they're terrible. Tennessee, a top three team in the Ken Palm at their place. Georgia's bad. Texas A&M's bad. Vandy's bad. So, look, they're going to get wins against the bad teams in the SEC, but a loss to Missouri I think would make you think, okay, hard to imagine if you can't beat Missouri that you're going to have a good, you're going to have luck beating Alabama and Tennessee on the road. So this is going to be a tournament team. There's no doubt about that. But what's the ceiling for Kentucky in regards to seeding if they get to mid-January and all their losses are against, you know, top 50 teams, but they don't really have a notable win to hang their hat on? And I bring all that up. With, with the realization, folks, that like I'd rather be in a Kentucky situation than Louisville situation. All right, so again, post-game show at uh, probably two-ish on Saturday. Join us, and uh, hopefully it's not as bad as it could be. How about that for some optimism? 502-653-0790, that is the L&N Federal Credit Union text line. Members get more at LNNFCU. 
Go to lnfcu.com, open your account today, and you'll realize you should have done it long ago. I don't know how much money I have to my name because I'm a child financially. My wife just, you know, gives me this debit card and I swipe it and it works when I need gas and food and that kind of stuff. But as far as I can tell, we've never had any issues. We have our money at LNN. So shout out to LNN FCU. And if you want to text in 502-653-0790, that is uh, the number. All right. Uh, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know how many of you are going to be familiar with this, uh, this brand that uh, I'd forgotten about. So maybe, you know, I shouldn't be as sad as I am. But Matt, do you remember the East Bay magazines? Kind of. I kind of remember the font more than the magazines. East Bay was like my era of like pre-ordering everything online. The East Bay catalog. It had all the different shoes, just all the different. I mean, I'm looking at one of the old covers. It said East Bay, the athletic sports source. And you could go to eastbay.com and order everything. Like it was, I mean, this is back, back in the day, they would literally order. I mean, you, you would have to, you could order it like through the magazine. Like you'd mail in what you want with a check. Like that's how old school we're talking here. And then eventually they did become a, an online, you know, an online outlet. And I remember buying shoes with my Christmas money and they are, uh, they are closing up shop. And right now they've got 70% off the store site wide as they, uh, as they go out of business, and it's it's sad. I know there are people probably around my age that remember getting that East Bay catalog and circling everything you wanted. I mean, they have shoes at all from all brands, clothing. Uh, you could get, I mean, you could get basketball gear. I mean, not just you know shoes, but like you know, you get a goal and stuff like that. So, uh, R.I.P. to East Bay. I forgot they existed, but seeing that they're officially closing up shop did make me kind of sad. I think every. You know, I could be wrong. I think every outlet has been, for the most part, taken over by fanatics. You familiar with fanatics, Matt? I've is, never. Is that a brand? No, it's it's a it's the biggest. They are now the industry leader in all like gear, like NFL, NCAA, MLB, okay. NHL, right. WWE, golf. Like they've got. I mean, they, they've somehow they have dominated this space and put a lot of people like East Bay out of business. And with everybody ordering everything online now, you know, there, there used to be many stores in the Kentuckiana area that were pretty popular for getting team gear, like nice team gear, like Alumni Hall in the St. Matthews Mall. Uh, what about uh, Fan Outfitters? Remember them? The Neutral Zone. Like, there's still some places you can find, but when it comes to like the Adidas gear for U of L and the Nike gear for uh, for Kentucky and that kind of stuff, like people just get it online now. And it like if you go to, I'm pretty sure if you go to the uh, if you go to the website um, for UK or U of L and go to their team store, I'm, I think a lot of the stuff you buy comes from Fanatics. So um, apparently Lids, you know the store Lids? Oh, yes. I've shopped many times at Lids. Has Lids always – because Lids didn't used to be where you where you had clothing, right? I thought it just used to be hats. Now it I'm, used to, I mean, not almost exclusively be hats, yeah. Yeah. But that was way back. Oh, yeah. The they've, got, they've got a phenomenal jersey selection. It's mostly like newer stuff, modern stuff that's not necessarily my cup of tea as a jersey dork. But they've got great gear. I bought my son some – 
you know, toddler UofL gear there before. And uh, Lids bought Fan Outfitters. So now I guess that's why you don't see those locations around. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there is. I mean, it says there's still locations in Louisville. Are they open? I don't know. I haven't seen. I don't, I don't think they're open. But either way, um, Fanatics appears to be the dominant. Uh, didn't I think they? I feel like there's an NFL stadium that was named after Fanatics. Am I wrong? I'm probably am. I don't think. I, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. So these sometimes these stadium names change so yeah. much it'd be hard to tell. Yeah. So again, RIP to East Bay, and RIP to some of these stores that you know that that have not been able to to compete with the humongous online retailers. People just aren't going to the pop up shops in shopping centers anymore as much as they used to because so many people buy things online. And I did I got most of my Christmas shopping done earlier than usual this year, but I did make my my annual, you know, trips to the mall for last minute items, gift cards and stuff to certain places. And it, I couldn't believe how empty the malls were around Christmas. It was crazy. Sad stuff. All right, uh so somebody sent this in on the text line. It's something we talked about yesterday and that is the uh the 24/7 sports article that gives you expectations for first-year Power 5 coaches in the 2023 season. And I don't really have any... This is what they had to say about Jeff Brown. They said the expectation was just to make a bowl game. Uh, Here's the write-up. It says, Louisville was never quite awful under former coach Scott Satterfield. The Cardinals just had trouble getting anywhere above average. That is about what one should expect from Jeff Brown's first year at the helm. He was an expert at doing more with less at Purdue, and now he steps into a program with significantly more resources and a better commitment to football. Given time, this could be a fantastic hire. Brown has the potential to compete for titles. Until then, though, a bowl game would be great for his first year. I don't take huge issue with that, but I want to aim higher than that. And I know Jeff does as well. I can't really put expectations... I can't pinpoint them at this point without knowing who's on the roster, what your quarterback situation is. So, I mean, I would say just as of now and again, it's going to change because if you get to post spring and you haven't added any quarterbacks or if, and I think they will, or if you lose more guys to the portal and you don't fill them up, fill those vacancies up with other guys, then maybe it's a different conversation. But as we discussed yesterday, you don't have to be a good team to finish with a 500 record against Louisville's schedule next year. And that's why I always felt underwhelmed with Satterfield, not only because the numbers were underwhelming. He had a losing record in ACC play over four years, but you were such a mediocre blah team that like you weren't like it was so ho-hum. You weren't bad enough for people to be freaking out other than a couple occasions when you got blown up by Kentucky and you lost to Boston College. Those were moments within the Satterfield era where it got real dicey. But you were just so mediocre, so average. And it just wasn't a fun place to be. So next year, I mean, you've got Georgia Tech. They made a coaching change. They were awful. Murray State, Indiana sucks. Boston College sucks. Virginia stunk last year. Duke, they did make a big improvement last year. Probably the most improved team among Power Fives. Virginia Tech stunk out loud last year. So, like, that alone is six. So, you tell them you can't steal one against, you know, Pitt, Miami, Duke, NC State. So, as of now, as of December the 28th, I have no problem in saying that 
seven wins is sort of the the floor for me. Unless, of course, things change and I mean, quarterback play is going to be big. If if you roll, if you only are able to, to to roll out there, Brock Doman and Pierce Clarkson. I mean, I don't love that as your options at quarterback. Pierce, of course, is a highly ranked guy, but he's a true freshman. So that's going to be real dependent, and I think they will land a quarterback in the portal. Speaking of that, though, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we would have more guys. Maybe it's because a lot of teams are playing their bowl games as we speak, and of course the latest the latest quarterback to hit the portal is, is uh, Sam Hartman from from uh, Wake Forest, who sounds like Notre Dame's going to get him. He's... I would put him up there against any transfer quarterback. I think Sam Hartman's really, really good, but doesn't sound like other schools are even going to be able to get involved because, again, um, sounds like it's already a done deal. He's going to go to Notre Dame. But I've, I just feel like there'd be more guys in the portal. I really do. But maybe it's because, again, a lot of bowl games are going on sort of as we speak. And I, they used to have it pretty accessible here in the um, in the 24-7 sports, you know, database yeah so great here, here's the list of quarterbacks that are still available in the portal grayson mccall who's transferring from coastal carolina mentioned sam hartman brennan armstrong at virginia uh luke altmeyer at ole miss malik hornsby at arkansas who is he was a backup quarterback spencer sanders oklahoma state hank bachmeyer of boise state still out there um Brady Allen, who, that's another name. Brady Allen is not, he, he didn't start last year because, of course, at Purdue, uh, they had Aiden O'Connell. But Brady Allen is in the portal. He committed to play for Jeff Brom at a high school and, of course, was only there one year, didn't get a chance to play for Brom because Brom left. So maybe that's a name we could keep an eye on as a potential guy that reunites with, uh, with Brom. Am I like? Am I? I mean, I would love. I mean, if you can get Brennan Armstrong, I mean, I, I know last year it was a down year for him, but I mean, he's that's a guy that's certainly capable. And I just imagine a guy with that arm that Brennan Armstrong has and Jeff Brom's offensive prowess. I mean, I feel like you could have a pretty explosive offense. But some of these guys, like that's what's that's what makes the portal so interesting is that you know there are times like the. Wake Forest, Sam Hartman situation where he hits the portal or he hasn't even entered the portal yesterday, but now there's reports that he's expected to enter and everybody knows it's going to be Wake Forest. There's some of these guys that you really don't know sort of where, you know, Brennan Armstrong, maybe I just haven't been paying attention, but I haven't seen any reports out there in regards to sort of which way he's leaning. So there are guys out there. Here's to hoping Jeff Brom can land one of them. I think that'll be really not to, and I don't want it to sound like I'm down on Pierce Clarkson, but he's a true freshman. I think the ideal situation for Pierce is to come and sort of have a holdover year. And let's be real, if Pierce is your starter because he won the job or just because he's the best option and you don't get a transfer, I mean, if he gets hurt, no offense to Brock Dolman, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's the guy. All right, we're going to hit Watch Wednesday coming up on the other side. Stick with us. You are in the red zone. We're filled by Thorns here on 790KRD. little more of that good loving chef damn woman take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have the facts of life what you talking about Willis? hey butthead what did people do before they invented tv don't be stupid beavis there's always been tv 
There's just more channels now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Progress is cool. All right, let's do it. It's time to talk a little TV, talk about what we're watching, what we're streaming, that kind of stuff. We always try to start with sports. And uh, right now, uh, let's see here. The bowl schedule, uh, it looks like we've got a couple of games today. UCF in Kansas in the Military Bowl on ESPN. That's at 2 o'clock. Oregon, North Carolina on Fox tonight, 8 o'clock. Texas Tech, Ole Miss in the Texas Bowl later this evening on ESPN. And then uh, actually the first game um, is UCF and Duke. So those are your bowl games uh, for today. And uh, the NFL... The Thursday night game on uh, Amazon. Let's see here. Oh, I clicked on the NHL schedule. That That is not something that any of you probably care about. But uh, this week's game in the NFL is the Titans and the Cowboys. The Cowboys got it rolling right now. The Titans, not as much. And, of course, for UofL basketball this Saturday, uh, they will take on Kentucky at noon. And I believe that one is on uh, CBS usually on CBS whenever Kentucky has the game. Although, oh, I th- that may have changed this year. Uh, it is on CBS. That will change starting next year because, of course, the SEC's TV deal is all shifting to ESPN. So, uh, there you go. All right, Matt, I uh, I went from having about a month to maybe six weeks of us doing this to where I kind of felt light as far mm-hmm. as what I'd been watching. Okay. And uh, I've not completely, you know, binged anything that's lengthy, but I've got some things I'm currently watching, finishing okay. up, and some things on the radar. Oh, well. I'll start with the uh, the docuseries that I watched uh, last week. Three episodes. And, man, it is – I didn't even know they were putting this together. And a good majority of the filming took place <coughs> – excuse me – in Bullitt County in, in Mount Washington. So, excuse me, the series is Don't Pick Up the Phone. And I found it to be – Really interesting, but also kind of infuriating. So let me – do you know anything about what this is about? I have no idea. No, I'm not so, this. Don't Pick Up the Phone is the series that profiles a hoax that took place in the late 90s, early 2000s over many years where someone – they later identified him. I guess I won't tell you who they identified because that's a pretty good – it's a pretty good part of the three documentary series. You're trying to figure out who it is. But someone would go buy calling cards. Calling cards were very big because cell phones were still relatively new at that point. And they would call different fast food places, mostly McDonald's. And they would say that they are the local police. And they would ask to talk to a manager. And they would say, hey, I am uh, – I'm so-and-so with the local police department – and I just talked to your corporate manager, and they knew the corporate manager's name. So they, these people, very gullible in my opinion, thought it was a real call. And they were saying, hey, one of your employees, usually it was a teenage girl, one of your employees is accused of stealing one of your customers' purses or wallets. So they would be on the phone thinking they're talking to law enforcement and their corporate manager, and they would have this young girl employee come in there. And they, they would be told by the caller to make the, the young girl strip naked so they could search her. And it was just some perv who got off to people describing what this teenage girl looked like nude. And there were some people that took it as far as they, they had the young girl perform sexual acts on them. And that's the infuriating part. Look, I understand 
that there are people that are pretty gullible. And there are some scams out there, some hoaxes, that it's hard to determine if, in fact, it's real or not. But anybody who was dumb enough to not think that this was a scam and that it's not legit and that you know you you should ne- I mean who who you who do you even if you were asked to do that you would know this is not this is not right there's no way this would be how we determine this but because they thought they were on the phone with law enforcement you know they they seemed like gullible schmucks and there were I mean this happened Matt I think nearly a hundred times over the years, they could never identify, and finally they were able to, to to track down. Eventually, these calling cards became traceable. They weren't initially, and after they became traceable, they were able to determine who bought it. They had him on surveillance, and um, I won't spoil it because the ending is probably not what you'd expect, but it was just, I mean, it was awful. And they showed in Bullock County, it was what probably the biggest, I would say the biggest national case in in the history of Bullitt County, my homeland, that this woman, because it happened, I don't know if it happened first, I don't know where she was in the line of all the victims, but she was sexually assaulted by this manager's husband who came in to take over while the other manager had to go um, run the store. And he you know, had the girl, I mean, again, that guy, I mean, I don't think ignorance is an excuse here. That man should have been thrown in prison. He did get in trouble, but I don't think it was anything substantial. So anyways, she sued McDonald's, Matt. And because it was a widespread hoax, the question was, should McDonald's be liable because their employees did that? And the, they, the, the answer was yes. She, this woman who has since relocated, I think, to Shelbyville, she's just an, an, you know, she, didn't, she was not a part of it because I think she wants to put that in her past. But she, of course, successfully sued McDonald's. And uh, won millions of dollars, and it was the right call because this had been happening at McDonald's across the country, and they never once put up like a sign on the phone or a memo to all of their locations, be aware, be advised, this is a hoax that's going on, and don't fall for it. And they never did that. So – yeah, they did a um, – I think I mentioned this the other day. They made a movie, right? I couldn't remember the name of it. The name of the movie is Compliance. They did a movie t- 10 years ago with um, um, several people in it, and I'm I'm pretty sure – is that – is the lead? Hold on a second. I'd never seen the movie. The lead in the movie – let me make sure I'm right. Yeah, the lead in the movie is Kellen. Really? Yeah. And Dowd? Yeah. Wow. How about that? She's in it, so is Bill Camp, who's oh, really good. So Ann Dowd is probably the manager. Yeah, at, she is. Yeah. Yeah, and, she's and, the manager. And what's wild is that like when that happened, I was in high school, so like I wasn't paying attention to the news. I was just being a high school kid. But I later have learned that like the manager and her husband, who were both, in my opinion, guilty. I don't care. Like I I'm sorry, but the ignorance is not an excuse. I have no patience for people who fall for the dumbest things in the world i probably should but like for them to go through what but apparently like a lot of people i know know them like they're from the area mm-hmm. and like they now exist among us as normal humans and i just it's wild to see on netflix they're showing the the because the invest the investigator from bullet county part of the mount washington police department he's the one who followed this thing from start to finish because the girl who was sexually assaulted ended up being his neighbor so he's the one who tracked down the calling card and, and, and helped bring up the, 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 the suspect and find him. 
But uh, just to see the footage, the B-roll stuff, like they're just driving around on Highway 44, a place that I'm on pretty frequently. So I really enjoyed that. And I don't, I don't know if you can find anything that, that, that mentions their, them shifting to it. But Netflix in the last few years, especially the last year, they have given us so many great documentaries that I think that's now what they do best. Not to say they don't have other good shows and movies and all that. But man, when they do these little three-episode docuseries, I find myself really, really enjoying them. So that is what I've finished here recently. My wife and I recently started, uh, and we've been binging through it, probably seven episodes in, during the holiday break, Matt. We are now into season two of Yellowstone. Uh-oh. And, uh, You're ahead of me. It, have you started? Yeah. Okay, good. You're ahead of me, though. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying I'm not, it. I'm not far enough that I, ma- I want to make comments yet. Okay, fair enough. But That's I, fair. But I have started it, and uh, we'll see. No start to Tulsa King yet, though, right? No, but I'm gonna. That's, that looks very interesting. Yeah, my dad, um, God love him. He he can't help himself. Like he'll tell me he's watching a show, and I'll be like, "All right, well, I haven't watched it yet," and he just can't help himself. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna love," it. and I'm like, "I don't want to know anything about it." So he texted me yesterday just to say that he's enjoying it, and I said, "Okay, thank you, good. Can't wait to watch it." And I'm hoping he knows now, like. You know, he's ruined like two shows for me. And he claims, he, you know, I didn't tell you anything. Well, you you insinuated <laughs> like if you're ahead of me and you make any kind of insinuation like now I know, OK, the ending's going to be crap. But he and I have um, I would say of all the shows that uh, that I've really enjoyed that I've shared with others, he has probably enjoyed them as much as me more than anybody. A lot of shows I've recommended to Matt didn't necessarily impress him. But not not not, uh, not none of them. Yeah, I liked Your Honor. I saw the trailer for season two. Have you? I've not. It no. gives you a little bit of an indication as far as which direction they're going. Okay, but uh, yeah, I, I liked Your I, Honor. I, I thought I liked one more show at least that you that you told the me Watcher. Watch. You watched that quite recently. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. That was good. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we did watch a lot of Christmas movies, of course, during the break, and uh, we ended up watching Matt the one with uh, we rented it on um, on. Um, Amazon because it was only in theaters unless you rented it on Amazon. The Christmas movie, um, Violent Night. Oh right, right that's good. Right, right. it's good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, it was different than most Christmas movies that you'll see, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, the guy who played Santa's David I Harbor it was on Amazon. It was, but you have to rent it. Oh, I thought it was free. I thought it was part of Prime. Okay, no. sorry. Um, but yeah, David Harbor. I'm not really. I'm I'm familiar with him, but he played Santa. He was yeah, really good. good. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo's in it. She's kind of um, one of the bad guys. And then um, John Lugaziamo. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Lug- he's he was great. Yeah, he's he's very good. So I've yeah. seen it. he's been good in a lot of stuff. So yeah, I've got uh, I've got more to bring to the table today than, than than usual, and that makes me that makes me happy. Good. What about you? Anything new on the radar? Is there, you've been mentioning a show that you weren't ready to talk about. Have we got there yet? Mm-mm, no, still not. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not slow been, playing it. I've been not been watching a ton of stuff. I'm. 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 Yeah, I'm kind of slow pedaling through uh, several things at the moment. Um, but I did um, look at some things that were coming up as if I need more to watch. But listen to listen to some of the uh, because since it's the end of the year, people are doing a lot of end of year list but listen to some of the stuff that's coming up next year and just tell me you're not going to have a million things to watch we'll start with the big two netflix have you heard about kaleidoscope no i don't think so kaleidoscope is a heist series and the the angle on it is that it's eight episodes and you can watch them in any order 
and the what? Oh, okay. I did see the something order about that this. You watch them in will determine how the story plays out for you. And uh, Gus Fring, uh, the guy that played uh, Gus Fring in uh, Breaking Bad, he's in it. Um, HBO's got The Last of Us, of course, coming out. That's coming out next month. Um, there's a there's a. Did you, did you see that? Did you ever watch the '70s show? That '70s show? Yeah. No. It's going to be the '90s show. That '90s show is coming out. And then Apple TV has a has one with Jason Segel and Harrison Ford called Shrinking. Whereas movie uh, or show? That's a show. Uh, and apparently, uh, or I think it's a show. And uh, apparently, uh, the uh, I, I'm guessing Harrison Ford maybe is the psychiatrist who starts telling patients what he really thinks of them. That could that has the potential to be uh, pretty decent. The Mandalorian's coming back. Um, Apple TV, the the J- Yellow Jackets is coming back on um, on Showtime. Ooh, when is that coming back? Um, I don't I don't know if they have a date yet, but it, it'll be back. Um, Servant on Apple TV is ending. Uh, a lot of TV shows are ending. Uh, Picard on Paramount is ending. Succession will, Succession will be back. Squid Game is coming back. I don't really know. That was really, really good. Um, but I don't really know if we need that to come back. The HBO's new season of True Detective is coming back, and Jodie Foster's in it. Who, who else? Uh, they usually haven't done just one person, right? Yeah, I, she's the only one that's mentioned here, but that's like the first time she's played like a... Uh, I would say like a cop since like Silence of the Lambs. Have you seen any any season of True Detective outside of the first? Uh, no, I've not. Me either. Yeah, uh, Bob Odenkirk's doing another AMC show after Better Call Saul, so that'll be interesting. Um, the Walking Dead has two more spinoffs, as if we need that. Good Ted God, La- Ted Lasso. Will Did be, you know The Walking Dead back. ended? Uh, did it? I, yeah. No, because I quit watching it. Frasier's coming back next year as well. Who asked for that? Uh, they keep doing all these. Um, but uh, if any of them worked, like uh, the reboot of Roseanne, I mean, yeah. Fuller House, three or four new Star Wars shows, something. Oh, by here, that's right at my here alley. Here you go, uh, Paramount. Uh, Paramount is uh, uh, another new Taylor Sheridan show from Paramount called Landman. Uh, he's doing another Western. Hey, hey, this is the one I'm excited about. Although we, I, I, I'm very, I got to be honest, I'm skeptical. Justified's coming back. How long has that been? It's been gone like put to bed. seven, eight years, I feel yeah. like. It's been gone a very My mother loved that long. show. I loved it too. It was outstanding. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Marvelous Miss Maisel's ending. So lots of stuff coming up next year. You're going to have plenty to watch. And, and I think I mentioned Succession's coming back. So Yeah, I think I'm going to probably start Tulsa King probably at the first of the year because by then I'll be able to have it all accessible for me where I don't have to wait for, you know, episode by episode, which I've done that occasionally on shows like on Apple TV. They would give you four right out of the gate. They need to give you two a week to where it's like a month long thing. Right. Um, and it's fine, but I got to really like the show. And I guess that speaks to the, you know, me willing to wait. Although one show that I talked about recently, Matt, that I bailed on because it just got like, I didn't know what they were going to do with season two of it anyway. And it just never hooked me was Mosquito Coast. Okay, yeah. On Apple TV. I mean, it didn't... It, I can't say that it was, like, awful. It's not like Luke Cage season two. <laughs> um, but, I can't believe you watched that to begin with. To I be know, because it's, n- it's not really my style, but I no. liked the first season. Did you ever watch it? I did not, yeah. no. I only watched... Of those Marvel Netflix shows, the only one I watched, which was good, I did. I watched Daredevil. I think I watched the first two seasons. And you didn't love that. that, did you? No, I did like it. Okay. It was good. Uh, that's the only one I watched. Mad Men is I a show like you didn't love, right? No, Yeah, but that yeah. was not Netflix. I know. That was a, yeah, Mad, Mad Men was not for me. No. All right, that was Watch Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out and letting us take a brief break from Sports Talk Radio. Give me a little bit.
You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Fortis. Over the next couple days, I want to mention, I want to um, mix in some best of 2022 stuff. We did it a little bit yesterday with the Google searches, but uh, kind of a recap of uh, 2022. Somebody asked, what reminded me of this, somebody asked in the text line, is the year's coming to an end? Like, what was the biggest and best moment for U of L athletics in 2022? I really don't know. Um, I know these sports don't move the needle like others, but U of L volleyball has certainly been phenomenal um, in the last couple of years. So I would say that's up there. But again, a lot of you know, it's just that's not a sport that gets the same attention as the mainstream sports. I would say Jeff Brom getting hired just because of him being one of our own and a guy that a lot of fans for years wanted to come back and take over the program at some point. When Kenny Payne got the job, there was certainly some excitement, but because it was new, it was fresh, and he was one of our own. But I don't know if that would still, as we wrap up 2022, be viewed as one of the big moments, just given how things are going right now. Jeff Walls and his team made it back to the Final Four. And with football, I mean, I really don't know what, I mean, they went eight and five, but they didn't have any signature win that really stood out. I mean, I would say if I'm doing my personal top five of UofL moments of 2022, and this isn't hyperbole, it's Cincinnati hiring Scott Satterfield. (laughs) I mean, that was such a gift. And I don't see a scenario that we look back and think, oh, man, we should have given him. And that's the thing. Even if he does light it on fire at Cincinnati, I think you could still – feel as if your athletic director, Josh Hurd, did the right thing by not caving and giving him more money and more years on his deal because he hadn't earned it yet. He hadn't broke through, right? I mean, they took a step forward in 2022 going seven and five, but it wasn't enough to where you say, okay, let's lock this up for another four to five years. So that worked out perfect. And by the way, Cincinnati, I mean, I don't know where their class ended up ranking. And these class rankings will, in fact, change because, you know, you've got – Guys that are going to wait to sign until the 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 I guess late signing period, but um, Satterfield's lost a ton of transfers. Which look, a lot of people have, especially when a coaching change is made. But like they don't have anybody to play receiver, <laughs> and Satterfield's class it, right now at Cincinnati ranks seventy second in uh, in the country, and he did he did steal. Uh, Two commitments, guys that flipped, and that is uh, Raquan Atkins, the linebacker from, I'm sorry, cornerback from Miami, and then the other one was Jay Davis, an athlete from down in Georgia. And I guess it's not a super surprise, but two transfers, Luke Kandra, who's from Cincinnati, an offensive lineman, he's following sat to Cincinnati, and also Dorian Jones, who will be missed, a linebacker uh, who transferred. So again, I, I know it sounds mean, and I know we don't need to talk about Satterfield anymore because he's gone. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that uh, that was the, one of the best moments for me. And there's no – for Louisville basketball, I mean, just think about what 2022 started with. Your coach left in early January or mid-January, and then you finished the season awful, and then you hired Kenny Payne, and there's not really been a whole lot of, of great things that have happened since then. So 
Here's to hoping 2023 is when it gets better. All right, we got another hour to go and a lot to get into. Stick with us. Something I want to discuss in the 9 o'clock hour. Deion Sanders said something that's got a lot of people talking and sharing their opinions on it, and that is what was the more difficult sport for him to play, baseball or football? I think a lot of people, including myself, that have never played in, in, in these sports at a high level have opinions. So we'll get to that in a lot more. 502-653-0790 is the l and Federal Credit Union text line. Stick with us right here on 790 KRD. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thorntons. All right, let's do this. Hour number three here on a Wednesday. You are in the red zone. We're fueled by Thornton's on 790 KRD. Thanks for hanging out. Certainly appreciate it. Take us with you wherever you go. Listen live on the iHeartRadio app. Listen live at 790KRD.com. As uh, we're still counting down the days until this annual rivalry game, which has just got some weird vibes to it this year. I am going to try my best to be... Not as negative, despite the circumstances, and maybe try to look on the bright side. An interesting question that came in on the text line from somebody is, if Louisville can keep it within single digits of Kentucky, would that change sort of how we look at the rest of the season? And I I guess you could choose to say, okay, progress was made. Let's go out and win some of these ACC games that are against teams that you feel like if you play well, you might be able to beat them. So I have no problem in that. It's just... We've seen this team more often than not have a tough time keeping it within single digits of of comparable opponents. I mean, I say comparable opponents. I just mean programs of the same caliber from similar type leagues. I mean, they've lost to some teams. They're 0-2 against Atlantic Sun teams. So, uh, look, I'm anxious to see what the spread is in this game. Kentucky will certainly be big favorites, but by how much, I don't know. And another question that comes in, Excuse me. Sorry. No longer dealing with a cough, but now I've got the sniffles and the sneezes, so apologies. But somebody asked, what's the biggest spread in the history of this of this meet, this matchup? And I really don't know. I'm not even sure if that's accessible out there on the internet. But yeah, I, I, given sort of where Louisville is, I don't think it would be a surprise if, in fact, this opens up as the largest spread among these two teams ever. Because there really hasn't been a season quite like this for either team, right? You know, we did talk about it yesterday that back in 1997, 98, that was a Louisville team that uh, that did, in fact, pull off the upset. Yeah, so Louisville in 1997, 98... They were three and six, had lost six of seven. They were 16-point underdogs in that game against number four, Kentucky. And they ended up losing 20 games. So I'd say that's the biggest upset. But when it comes to point spread, I would imagine Louisville's going to be bigger than 16-point dogs in this game. Wouldn't you think, Matt? I would say it'd be closer to 20 than, than 16. Maybe I'm wrong. You would know more than me. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you have I mean, it's hard to it, it, experience. It, yeah. It, it, look, it's it's rare to see, very rare to see power five, power six caliber opponents have a spread bigger than 20. So maybe it will be around 16. But 
as we discussed that that because that is a that is an example you can go back to and uh you know tell yourself hey we've won when we were big underdogs before which is true uh but this would be a bigger upset just because that Louisville team finished 12 and 20 this one's not going to win close to 12 games so I think it would be the biggest upset in the history of the rivalry and I would imagine that they are bigger than 16 point dogs in this game on Saturday so if you're looking for a silver lining, I've got one for you. You ready? You ready? There's no pressure, right? <laughs> There's no pressure. That's a that's a positive way to look at it, right? No pressure. Nobody's expecting you to win or even keep it close. So if you do, maybe you won't be as sad. And no matter how bad a team is, when you lose to your rival, even when you're not supposed to win, fans are the emotions are really high. I mean, think about how many times Louisville lost to Kentucky in the Rick Pitino era where Louisville was actually pretty good, but Kentucky was just better, and you still lost. And I remember doing post-game shows for those games. I remember seeing reaction to that, and losing to Kentucky and Calipari has always been hard to deal with regardless of circumstance. However, I do feel like this time around, fans are so numb to it. Like, I don't think there's ever been as lifeless of a vibe surrounding Louisville basketball fans when it comes to this rivalry game. And it's a, it's a bummer. Usually it is everybody stop what you're doing in this state because these two teams are playing and it's a humongous deal. You wake up in the morning, you can't sit still, you're pacing, you're thinking, man, let's just get this over with. I'm ready to see these two teams play. That's what this game does to a lot of the super fans. And of course, I'd like to think we reach a lot of the super fans because you're tuned in to a program like this. But I don't think fans are going to have that experience um on saturday just because it'll for me be more of let's just let's just get it over with i mean i hate to 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 make it sound so bad but that's just the reality of it not a fun place to be all right so again a reminder tomorrow we'll get some recruiting news and uh elliot cadeau cadeau it's c-a-d let me see how you spell this guy's last name. But he is um, a top 10 player in the 2024 class. He has the ability to reclassify if he wants to, and he will make his decision uh, tomorrow. It's Elliot C-A-D-E-A-U. Is that Cadeau? I'm going to say Cadeau. He's going to choose between Syracuse, North Carolina, Kansas, UofL, Texas, and Texas Tech. So clearly you've got some stiff competition there. There's already been a booster an alum of Syracuse that at one point mentioned he'd pay this kid a million dollars to go there because that's how good he thinks he is. Pay him, of course, through NIL. So, I, look, I'd be a liar if I said I think Louisville's going to get him, but they are at least being mentioned. And this is a good question that comes in. This is from Eric who asks, you got to think, is it, is, is it worse case for Kenny if these recruits keep listing them? And, look, if you're in consideration, I guess that's something, but it's not much, right? Like having a kid tell you, that you're in the finalist, but you don't get him, really, at the end of the day, doesn't mean anything. It might be a sign that the top recruits are at least considering you. But I don't know to, I don't know how to answer that question, Eric, because when you see that you are in the mix, I guess it does at times give fans some hope and some belief that maybe you do finally land one. And if you're not listed, it's just, hey, you weren't even a finalist. So I don't think there's a, you know, when you don't get them, there's no good way to not get them. But... I think Louisville fans at this point, when it comes to players like this, you'd be more surprised than not if you do land them just because of how recruiting has gone 
up to this point. But again, he's going to make his decision tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern. Actually, I'm sorry. He's making his decision today at 7 o'clock Eastern. So, um, fingers crossed. That's, that's, I guess, all that I can say. All right, so another day of nightmare for uh, Southwest as they have once again canceled, I think, over 2,500 flights. And it is now being described as the biggest travel nightmare ever. That sounds a little extreme, maybe recency bias, but if you've seen, and TikTok is is a wild place. I spend way too much time on TikTok. It's you know something I probably don't really need to be on, but I am. And uh, the videos of all the people flipping out and losing their mind at the airports in the last forty eight hours has been very very entertaining content. Just people losing their mind, and it I do feel for them. But I'd like to think even if I was there stranded in an airport that uh i wouldn't act like some of these people are acting and making food but but it's airports a stressful place it's a helpless place so like i kind of get it but then again there's some people that are just being extreme scumbags which there's never a good reason to do that but the travel nightmare has caused some issues with um some of these some of these teams that are having to travel to go to bowl games so clemson quarterback cade klubnick his fly, his parents' flight out of Austin was canceled. So they picked up a rental car at 10 p.m., drove overnight, and it, and drove 20 hours straight across the country to Miami for the Orange Bowl to watch their son's first career start. That's dedication right there, is it not? And then also another wild travel story. Um, there was apparently um, – let me see if I can find – so. Let me see if I can find the original story here. But there are many um, players that I guess decided if they went home for the holidays and were going to meet up with their team at the bowl game, they were just going to report to the city, which I think that's kind of weird. But apparently that that can happen. And um, Pat Narduzzi, the pit coach. Um, I'm try- Again, I'm trying to – damn, Twitter's not working, which that's what I get for trying to trust Twitter to, to be you know, useful. I give a rat's ass about Twitter. But apparently um, there was a college basketball coach who had to arrange travel for his team because in order to make a game, they they were going to have to drive. There was no way they were going to get a flight. So they rented like bus, like vans, big vans. And there were three pit football players that were trying to get to, I guess, the same city they were going to for their bowl game, wherever that was. And they decided to uh, give them a lift. So that's actually kind of a, a good story, you know, given – given the, the travel nightmare uh, circumstances. All right, uh, some good college basketball games tonight. In fact, in Kentucky, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see sort of where they are after tonight. I still think they're in good shape for the Louisville game. But, man, I mentioned it earlier. This, this is actually a pretty sneaky, unexpected test for Kentucky on the road against a Missouri team that only has one loss on the season. That loss was to Kansas. And Kentucky doesn't have a... I mean, I guess their decent win is a neutral site win against Michigan, but Michigan's a borderline top 50 team, and they don't really have any bad losses, although the loss to Michigan State continues to look worse as they're borderline top 50. But losing to Gonzaga and Washington and losing to UCLA on a neutral site, those aren't bad losses. So tonight I feel like it's kind of a chance for them to not get a signature win, but it would be, I guess, a step in the right direction for them because if you can lose on the road to Missouri – you can certainly lose on the road to Alabama 
on the road to Tennessee, two top 12 teams that you'll play before you get to, before you get to the midway mark of January. And Kentucky's going to make the tournament, right? I mean, they've got, they've got a lot of games left, and they're going to beat a lot of the bad teams in their league. And maybe they'll end up beating some of the good teams in their league. But like, if you get to midway, like if you get to mid-January and you're Kentucky, and you didn't beat Missouri, you didn't beat Alabama or Tennessee, what's the ceiling for your seeding? You will still play Kansas at home at the end of January in the, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But like Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, Vandy, South Carolina, Texas A&M, those are teams, LSU, like those aren't top 50 wins. LSU would not be a quad one win. So I think the SEC this year is really strong at the top, and I would still include Kentucky in that. But everybody else is kind of average, therefore your chances to get signature wins really aren't going to be there as much. And when it comes to to SEC teams that are uh, highly ranked, you've got, of course, Alabama's number 12 in the Ken Palm, Tennessee's number 3, and Arkansas's number 9, and Auburn's 17th. But outside of that, I mean, Vandy's not in the top 100. Georgia and South Carolina are really bad. Texas A&M's having a really rough year under Buzz Williams. So I kind of feel like this is sneakily, that's a word, an important game for uh, John Calipari and his team. And I get the sense that Kentucky fans, like, at this point, don't really, I don't think they'd be shocked if they win, but they're also, like, not super confident either. Some other notable games tonight in college basketball, if you are somebody like me who enjoys watching college basketball. Alabama and Mississippi State, that'll be a good one. Xavier St. John's. And then, only because I'm a college basketball nerd, this is a really, we've got New Mexico and Colorado State. You're going to be watching that, Matt. I know you will be. Um, and I'm telling you, <laughs> Richard Patino and the, and the Lobos, they've broke into the top uh, 20. They're undefeated. They've now snuck into the top 25 at number 22. However, they're still ranked 65th in the Ken Palm. I've got, uh, I've got them winning this tonight and covering. So actually, let me just double check what the spread is because if it's moved a lot since yesterday when it opened, I may, uh, I may hold off, but. I've actually been able to not win many this year, but when I have a couple of these parlays I've had, it's included Richard Patino in New Mexico, and they are five-and-a-half-point favorites against Colorado State. I think they cover. So there you go. All right, so Deion Sanders, of course, right now has been one of the bigger talking points in college football. I think Deion Sanders' debut season at Colorado, as I mentioned yesterday, will go down as one of the more buzzworthy things to watch and follow to see how it goes because Dion, I mean, he's prime. He's one of the more interesting characters in sports, maybe ever, certainly in the 90s and whatnot. So the fact that he's now made the move to Colorado from Jackson State, he's landed a bunch of recruits, landed a bunch of transfers. Um, So I'm sure now people are thinking about him as a coach, but he was, you know, he was one of the rare two-way players, a guy that played and was good in both Major League Baseball and the NFL. And um, Matt, what, what do you know off the top of your head? You may not, but you follow baseball more than I do. I, it took me watching the ESPN feature on Dion to realize that he didn't just have a cup of coffee in baseball. He was actually pretty good, right? Yeah. I, see, I, I just thought he was somebody that could play both, but he was pretty good. 
And he was asked what was more difficult for him, football or baseball. And he says baseball. Quote, uh, the ball does some things to you. He said about the sport, quote, any sport where you can fail seven out of 10 times and become great and make two to 300 million, that's a hard sport. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it's true. And I, I'm, that's my quote, not his. Here's another quote. It says, I love challenges and I could not master it. It frustrated me because I hate to lose and I hate mastering something that I know if I just had more time, I could. So in his MLB career, Dion played nine seasons and slashed uh, 263, 319, 392. 39 home runs and 186 stolen bases. It says here, considering Sanders never played a full season in the league due to football commitments, it's impressive he played this well in what most consider his second sport. So, I look, there's none of these sports are easy to play at a high level, or we'd all be you know making millions in the pros. But I do think hitting a baseball, as far as what I know I can do athletically, which isn't much, I would say that is not a surprise that, that somebody who's done both would consider that to be the toughest thing to do. Because that's, I mean, that you, I guess talent is certainly a factor, but it's really just skill. And I don't, I, mean, I think the proof's in the pudding. Not many people have been able to ever master hitting a 95 mile an hour baseball coming your way, right? Not very easy to do. In basketball, you can be an elite shooter and never make a dime playing the game because there's so much more that comes to it. So just stepping up to the plate, being able to consistently, and again, as he, that's, that's probably the best way to put it, Matt, that you can be great at what you do and you know not get a hit seven out of ten times and become and considered great. Like I think that does speak to how difficult it truly is. I've heard that comparison before. I don't know. I do think baseball is very hard, but I do think football is also very hard. Um. What I would say for Dion is that I'm not surprised at all that he answered that way simply because he was better at football, so it came easier. Yeah, and I think I mean, there's certain sports that, if to be fair, to get to the highest level, you have to be just given God-given talent Yeah, that like most people aren't blessed with. Like the NBA and the NFL, that's a sport that you can have a laser rocket arm, but if you're not quick enough, big enough, that kind of stuff, you can be a lights-out shooter. You could be seven foot tall, but you have to be given some God-given ability or you won't make it at the highest level. The same can certainly be said for baseball because, again, it takes a certain level of skill and practice and that kind of stuff. But I would say I can understand why baseball would be looked at as the hardest thing to do. But whereas there are some sports that, again, like you can go play – you can go watch guys who are playing making 80 grand a year in Europe or something or some other country – and you watch him and you think, how's this guy not in the NBA? Just, and it's because it's that hard. And again, the same can be said for baseball. I'm not acting like baseball doesn't take talent and athleticism, but I, I just, I'd never really given it thought like that. But yeah, Dion was, uh, was one, I mean, out, I mean, who, who uh, what the hell's the guy's name who played for the Raiders and Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson, yep. Are there any others? Brian Jordan played both, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Two sports stars, like I remember Charlie Ward, remember him? Hell of a point guard for yep. Florida State, but also hell of a quarterback. He decided to only focus on basketball, which maybe at that time, maybe at that time it made sense just because um, maybe he didn't trans, you know, he didn't necessarily transition well to the NFL. Kyler Murray's up there. I mean, keep in mind, Kyler Murray's now in the NFL and has a stupid contract, but he was drafted in the top 10. 
in the MLB draft, which is saying something. He didn't play. Brian Jordan didn't play in the NFL as quite as long as I thought he did. He did play, but. Uh, what about Scott Burrell? You remember that name? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he was the first player to ever be drafted in the first round of two leagues. Of course, Kyler Murray ended up doing the same thing, but I didn't. I didn't realize. I, I just remember Scott Burrell, the basketball player. I didn't realize he was uh, also a baseball star. Tom Glavin, what sport did he play? Uh, in baseball, I have no idea. Uh, me either. Uh, NHL. <laughs> I didn't know he played hockey. Those two sports don't have a lot in common, but hey, it worked. Danny Ainge was also apparently a uh, a good baseball player. Played in the NBA for a while. Had a brief stint with the MLB's Toronto Blue Jays. There's some guys I didn't realize played two sports. Jeff Samaraji. You know who that? Am I, I'm, are you laughing because I'm saying it wrong? Or you don't remember Jeff Smarja playing for Notre Dame? No. What year did he play? It's not been that long. He was a receiver for Notre Dame. What did you say his name was again? Smarja. No. What did you Samarja. say? Samarja. No. You, that's not what you what said. Did I, I don't know what I said. <laughs> I don't remember that name. I don't know who that is. Sorry. <laughs> what did I say? I think you said Jeff Samaraja. Yeah. Close enough. Samarta J. That's what you yeah, said. Samarta J. Jeff Samarta J. You don't remember him playing for Notre Dame? No. All right. Was he a receiver? Yes. Okay. How about uh, Bob Hayes? Football and track and field back in the 60s. We mentioned Charlie Ward. Jackie Robinson uh, played baseball, track and field, basketball and football, and was apparently good at them all. And then, of course, Bo Jackson is listed as the uh, the second best dual threat or two, two sport athlete of all time, behind Jim Thorpe. Mm. Of course, that was a long time ago, back in the nineteen teens. <laughs> I barely remember him playing. <laughs> what was your favorite moment of Jim Thorpe's uh, career back be, then? Be, unfortunately, it had to be some of his later career moments. I don't remember his yeah. early career; just light stuff. You remember mostly the nineteen twenties era, Jim Thorpe, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good times. Mm -hmm. All right. Speaking of good times, headlines coming up next right here on 790 KRD. Stick with us. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thornton's. Matt, before we get to the headlines, I'm going to share with you a meme that I saw that brought me good, 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 uh, good, a good, good mindset, great joy, good mindset to wrap up 2022, which was a, a really, really crappy year uh, for me for a variety of reasons. But uh, this says, "May the tears you cried in 2022 water the seeds you're planting in 2023." How about that? Wow, what a moment! Doesn't that make you feel good? It does. Who said Nick isn't positive? Exactly. Exactly. It's time for the Fast Five Headlines with the marvelous Matt Allen. Number one. From the one for the history books department, um, heading into last night, NBA teams were zero 
and 13,884 in the last 20 seasons when trailing by at least nine with 35 or fewer seconds left to go in the game. Well, uh, last night, the wins, the, 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 the win column got one. Nothing shocks me about this game. And that drew rim. It's still loose. Look, they got it back. He did it. He did it. An improbable comeback by Dallas to tie it. They were down nine, I believe. Is that what that said? Uh, Luka Magic. Uh, with 35 seconds to go, they came back tied at Senate to overtime. And it was a historic overtime win and historic triple-double. 126-121. The Mavs have won four in a row. The Knicks have lost three in a row. Or four in a row. But uh, Doncic's stat line is what everybody's talking about. A career-high 60 points. 21 rebounds and 10 assists. It was a franchise scoring record. It made Doncic the youngest player in league history to have a 50-point triple-double. And by the way, no one's ever had a 60-point, 20-rebound triple-double until last night. It was a nine-point lead for the Knicks, uh, 33 seconds to go to force, or in 33 seconds to force overtime. And then the uh, Mavs went on to win it that is quite a game yeah he's i mean is is he the best player in the nba right now <clears throat> he certainly might be i mean who can you say definitively right now is better than him i don't I mean, Jalen mcgee who uh, how's is he having a good season is, isn't he not i thought it was lee he was before right? oh, okay wasn't yeah. he further back i get the two mixed yeah. up no, not Lee McGee. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, obviously you still have legendary players like Kevin Durant and LeBron James playing at a high level individually, but like Luka is magic right now. I mean, he's been... JaVale McGee. Yeah, Did that's who you think. Yeah, you meant, you meant JaVale McGee. I meant JaVale McGee. I don't think he's in the league anymore. Is he not? I don't know. Maybe he is. I'm not sure. I'm sure he is. That one went right over everybody's head, and I'm totally fine with it. Don't worry about it. And by the way, uh, he is... He currently plays for the Mavericks. So, so, so he, he's on he's on Lucas' the team. Two players in the NBA. <clears throat> no debate, right? I don't think there's any debate. There you go. Number two. From the get your medical degrees out department. Uh, yeah, there we go. Tua Tagovailoa entered the NFL's concussion protocol Monday, a day after he was apparently sidelined and played with a head injury through the uh, Green Bay Packer game. But um, uh, Dr. Alan Sills, who is the NFL's chief medical officer, you know, the CMO, he told NFL Network that nothing from Sunday's game should have triggered the NFL's concussion protocol for the quarterback. The uh, protocol is only triggered when a player sustains a blow to the head, then displays symptoms of injury. And Tua didn't display symptoms during the game, according to Sills. Um, there were no visible signs present, even though there was a blow to the head and the player did not report any symptoms despite being in contact with the medical staff throughout the game. So there was nothing that would have triggered the protocol in the moment. So they don't think there's anything wrong? Yeah, I I know this is something that everybody wants to find blame somewhere. And I don't. I just think there needs to be more of a realization among a lot of people that this can just happen. I mean, and nobody specifically can be at fault. Like that's why the Tua situation is so 
dangerous at this point because I think it, I don't know what's led to it, but he seems to be more susceptible for these hits to the head than others, a little more sensitive to it. And he can, I mean, these medical professionals that work for the NFL and work for these teams can be doing what they're supposed to do, what they're trained to do, doing their jobs. And it doesn't mean that he won't have another concussion that could eventually give him long-term damage. That's just how it works. Anybody can get concussed on a football field and every play because as much as they have made some adjustments to try to make it seem as if they are, in fact, more concerned about player safety and the long-term health of these guys – it's still a violent sport and always will be. So sometimes guys get hurt. Sometimes guys get hurt seriously. Sometimes guys could be paralyzed on the football field, and it's nobody's fault. It's because the game is violent, and even if you are playing clean football, you could still really get hurt somebody. And I just feel like there's, there's never been less acknowledgement of that than, than right now. I say this here and there when it comes up. And I know it's believed to be a hot take, but I believe it. If football never existed, ever, and it was introduced to us today, and we knew we were going to get the biggest and strongest athletes to play, the fastest guys that literally, when they collide, it's like a car crash. I think medical professionals would say, yeah, that's not safe. You're not going to do that. Look, I love football. I don't want it to go away. It's not going anywhere. Football is dominant. Look what the NFL does in America. But it's a violent sport, and the guys who play it know it. Number three. From the... I'll never let go. I promise. Department. I guess he has to say this, but uh, this is GM George Patton speaking to media members on whether he thinks Russell Wilson can be fixed for the Denver Broncos. What do you think he's going to say? What do you think he's going to say? Um, well, Mike, we saw flashes of Russ this year. You know, Russ, in, in, Russ even said he didn't play up to his standard. But, um, you know, the first half of the Chargers game, the, the first half of the Raiders game, you know, he finished strong. So you, you can go through the season that you do see uh, flashes. And he'll be the first one to tell you he didn't play up to his standard, didn't play up to our standard. He needs to be better. Uh, I don't think we made a coaching move based on Russ, you know. That wasn't what it's all about. That's, why, that's not why we're getting a new coach to turn around Russ. It's about the entire um, organization. It's about the entire football team. It's just not one player. Uh, it's not whether Russ is fixable or not. Uh, we do believe he is. We do. He's fixable. They gave up a haul of draft picks and players to, to get him, thinking, they would elevate, thinking he would elevate them to a Super Bowl contender. Instead, they're 4-11. And, and they stink. He has thrown for 3,000 yards and 12 scores, but also nine picks. Uh, it's a career low in passing yards. Last year uh, was 3,113. Uh, so he'll pass that. He won't have his career low, but uh, he did only play in 14 games last year. I'll say what you said to, uh, to start that headline. What's he supposed to say? <laughs> and Russell Wilson... This year, I mean, he mentioned seeing flashes. I haven't watched every snap, but they've been god-awful. Like, he's been awful. Anytime I have watched, and the record indicates that. So, um, I think this, and again, their coach was so bad that it nobody's acting as if he got a raw deal. But, it just is another sign that it is more of a financial, it's more of an easier thing to do financially to move on from a coach than a franchise quarterback who you've, you've just given up the future for. Was anybody else willing to do that with Russell Wilson? Because I feel like there were. Like, I feel like maybe not as much as Denver, but 
I don't think anybody expected Wilson to be this bad. Number four. Four walls to hear me. Who did you say? Nobody expected him to be this bad? Who did you say? The Broncos. But who were you talking about? Nobody expected it to be this bad. Were you just talking about the Denver Broncos? Yes. Oh, I thought you were talking about something else. Denver Broncos. You heard of them? Yeah, I thought you were talking about a college basketball team. No. We don't talk college basketball on this show. Okay. Sorry. From the Justice Serve Department, uh, a court in the Dominican Republic yesterday convicted 10 of the 13 people accused of attempting to murder former Major League star David Big Poppy Ortiz in Santo Domingo in 2019. Rolfi Ferreira Cruz is accused of shooting Ortiz, and Eddie Vladimir Feliz Garcia, Feliz Garcia was sentenced to 30 to years each in prison, the longest sentences among the defendants. Eight other defendants received sentences between 5 and 20 years, uh, but Victor Hugo Gomez Vasquez, who's the alleged mastermind of the attack, is one of the three defendants who was actually acquitted due to insufficient evidence. Dominican authorities have said that the target was meant to be Sixto David Fernandez, who was actually sharing a table at the bar with Ortiz when he was shot. Authorities say the hitman confused Fernandez with Ortiz. That stinks. Ortiz, of course, spent six weeks in the hospital in Boston after the shooting, um, undergoing two surgeries, but he's since recovered. But a lot of those guys going to jail. As they should. Agree? Well, it took quick. Are you defending him? No, I'm just saying. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it was just three years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. Number five. From the Happy Birthdays Department, an Alabama hospital said a baby that was recently born there beat odds of 133,000 to one. Nick, do you know what this baby did? No. This baby, let's see if I can get the name. Uh, Shout out to this baby. Linen? Yes, they named their daughter Linen. Not the fabric, spelled like John, the beetle. Linen. They named their daughter Linen. Uh, they, they being Dylan Scott, who was born on December 18th, and mother Cassidy Scott, who was born on December 18th, and daughter Linen Scott, who was born on December 18th. What do you think about that, Nick? What if you and your wife and your daughter or son had the same exact birthday? How about combining all that stuff? That is wild. That's 133,000 to one, according to um, this report. Now, sometimes uh, you can... So, like, for example, it nearly didn't happen, but my wife went into labor on Super Bowl the night of Super Bowl in 2016 with our daughter. And um, for my son, she was induced on a certain date that she got to pick. Mm. So I'm curious, did they have the option to choose this or was it just a magical uh, well, coincidence? She, she, well, I don't know if it was a, if, if she picked, but if she picked, I think she picked the day before because she actually went into labor on the 17th. But the baby was not born until after midnight, so it ended up that they, ah, all, that they all had go. the same... Uh, day. I don't know if that if they if that was the day they picked on the seventeenth, but she did go into labor the previous day. But the baby wasn't born till after midnight. Yeah, my buddy and his daughter have the same birthday, and I'm pretty sure they were able to pick that because it was going to be close, and they wanted to share the same birthday. So, yeah. Um, yeah, none of our. I'm in July. My kids are February and June, and my wife is November. So we're all kind of all kind of spread out. I'd, yeah, I'd say 
mine and Mason's birthdays are the closest, but it's still about Who? a month. Moose. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't yeah. recognize that name. It's a street name, Moose. Okay, mm, there you go. Shout out to that baby breaking records. <laughs> what you don't want to shout out the baby? Shout out to that baby. That's right. All right, babies are fun. I got baby fever, by the way. You, you going, going for three? I don't think we'll. I don't think it'll happen. Why I just, not? I just don't think she'll ever be willing to be pregnant again. But now that the baby's no longer, I mean, I still call him the baby, and he is the baby of the family. But he's, I mean, he's two and a half, going on a grown ass man. You could, uh, you could do the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing in junior, and, and you could be pregnant. So if you, I mean, yeah, you, I don't know if I'd want that. You never know where technology could take us. I mean, it's yeah. 2020. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger got pregnant, I believe, back in the 1990s in that movie. So what I was that movie called again? The, what? I forgot about that movie. Yeah, I think well, 30 years down the road, I think you could pop. I think you could take the pregnancy. He had a good run of movies in the 90s that are kind of forgettable, right? He had. I, I think he's had a very solid set of movies. I mean, you know, like, some what, of them were kind of. Silly. Outside but. of Terminator, what would you say is his most notable role? That's I mean, a good question. I mean, he did. I mean, let's look at. He's done a lot of stuff, but his most like the one. Junior was nineteen ninety four. I don't know. Jingle all the way was a Christmas one. Oh, he was in Batman and Robin as Mister Freeze, That's wasn't not he? His second most notable role. Yeah, I mean, I, Collateral Damage in two thousand and two. I mean, I don't know what would be his most notable role outside of Terminator because, you know, what was the movie he was in with Danny DeVito? Didn't they do a movie Twins. together? Yeah. Was that big? It was. I mean, I think it was at the time. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I just, th- I, th- I think I remember thinking it was funny. And What about the movie True Lies? Have you heard of that? That was a good movie. Was it? Yeah. It's an American spy movie. Absolutely. That was a good movie. Him and Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Arnold, of all people. Why are you mocking him is Mr. Freeze? Because that was not a good movie. Wow. Ice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Collateral damage was big. Ice to meet you. He wasn't a believable Mr. Freeze? He was fine, but that movie was so over the top that it was just corn central. Corn central. It was. Not porn central, nope. but corn central. Mm-hmm. Corn central. I like it. The Red Zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD, fueled by Thorntons. Decent list of birthdays today. Denzel Washington celebrating a birthday today, Matt. Denzel, man. Um, gosh, this is tough. 64? 68. Wow, okay. Seth Myers, TV host. Seth Myers. 48. 49, pretty close. Okay. How about uh singer John Legend? John Legend, 46. 44. Do you know actress Sienna Miller? Yeah, I don't know, 47? 41. Okay, sorry. And Joe Diffie had a birthday today, but he passed away. He'd be celebrating his 64th birthday. Shout out to Joe Diffie. Gotta go. R.I.P. Gotta go. See you tomorrow. You just can't tell. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>